It's time for our next guest on the Wine Show Australia, and we're joined by CEO of Brown Family Wines. It's Dean Carroll. Good morning, Dean. Good morning. How are you? Very good. Dean, thank you very much for joining us. Um, this is like a little bit of a different take. Um, I'm really interested in hearing about industry and trends. You know, you've had a very interesting career, but it hasn't always been in the wine industry. Uh, can you can you just give us a little bit of an overview of your career and how you've landed yourself with one of the most prominent wine families in Australia? Sure. Well, I go back uh, quite a long way, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> my original step into alcohol was through um, things that the younger uh, generation won't remember, but wine coolers. It was hey. something called Island Cooler. Uh, was where <laughs> my first foray into the liquor came. And then I spent uh, about six years at Diageo, uh, so spirit mm-hmm. industry, Some of the obviously some of the biggest uh, spirit brands in the world. Uh, then a stint at Tucker Seabrook, which became Find My Partners, uh, so family business, agency business, predominantly premium wine, but had some other... Uh, brands like Grolsch and Teachers in the portfolio. And then the last, getting towards 15 years, it was Brown Brothers and now Brown Family Wine Group. It seems, um, I mean, as I said before, you know, Brown, Brown Brothers, Brown Family Wine Group are, are synonymous um, with, with a lot of wines, but you know, they really help put Prosecco and our King Valley as an awesome Prosecco uh, producing region on the map. And, um, and, of course, I think they pioneered the first Moscato in Australia, didn't they? Absolutely. The family over a long period of time have really pushed the boundary in terms of innovation and we've got, so not only Prosecco, but we're one of the very first producers of Pinot Grigio in this country. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then then we've got great varieties we've worked up with CSIRO in terms of Siena and Tarango, which which we're the only producers of in the world, uh, which, uh, so the company really has always been about innovating and finding new and interesting varieties to bring to consumers. Yeah, sure. I, I didn't and, know that. That's interesting. I actually, I'm a big fan of of your wines, and you're right. Your Pinot Grigio, of course, which King Valley just produces such great ones as well. And it's a small, small little area, really. Um, how many producers are there in the King Valley at the moment? Would you know that, Dean? Or is that outside uh, of your? Oh, I'm not sure exactly how many, but there's, there, I mean, grower wise, there'd, there'd be twenty plus. I mean, there's mm. and there's probably in the King Valley itself. There's probably fifteen odd producers there currently yes i mean really when you when you when you consider it to the hunter even mudgy you know it's mudgy's even larger i think they've got about 35 so it is that small area but it just produces such exquisite exquisite wines um what what actually just before we you know go too much in into the upper seccos and your wines is i'm very fascinated in the story of how well you guys have done given the challenges that have been thrown the last few years to the wine industry i don't need to tell people what those challenges have been especially when it comes to the export market but um, you, you're doing very well in Singapore, Korea, US, and you're about to. Uh, you're really going to get a heavy hand in Vietnam. Is that right? Yeah, we're heading uh, Vietnam, but really, it's one of those emerging markets that mm. uh, pretty much new to wine. Really, like, they obviously had French um, the influence um, heritage. Yes. Yeah, influence. Mm. So, so any wines outside of France have pretty much find it hard there. But um, but those countries, particularly South Korea, which has really got that. Um, you know, more of a Western culture and wine has mm-hmm. been, it's always had a drinking culture, but not a wine um, interest really. So South Korea is really probably our, our biggest um, uh, push into, into Asia. 
Singapore, we've sure. had a, a long, a long time success there, and that's been um, that's been great for us that that market, and I think will only continue to grow. So the two, those two Asian markets are really our strongest after the we all know the shortfalls of China, um, sure, and then, and then the US and the and and a little bit in the UK are our, our next sort of you know, ventures. Dean, I'm interested in, and I'm, I was talking to Catherine Brown about this a few years ago. Because it's Brown Brothers, but it's a lot of the, you know, the females involved in the family who are making all the wines and stuff. Was it a huge decision to change the name? And you know, I, I mean, I think it's a great decision personally. But just talk us through that that kind of change. I think when we were considering uh, where we were and in the journey, we were so 2010. We we purchased the Tasmanian vineyards and we uh, we obviously brought in Devil's Corner and Tamar Ridge and Piri and then we, we got to 2016 and we, we, we purchased Innocent Bystander and we got to that stage where people recognised us as Brown Brothers but we were more than that and sometimes we struggled to get through the, the gatekeepers who just saw us as Brown Brothers and didn't realise we had this broader portfolio that we were we were bringing to market so Brown Family Wine Group, we're very much you know, fiercely independent family business and yep. planned to be forever and a day. Mm-hmm. So family was a really important part of the title. The, the brothers and sisters, you could almost classify us as brown sisters now. There's certainly more females than males yeah. in the in the family, but um, yeah. and all you know, very much involved in the business. So, um, But it was really more about showing people that we're more than just one brand. Yeah, sure. I think it's great. I think it's fabulous. And it's, it just really does go to show that you have great equity in a certain product, in a brand. Um, and right. if, if it's strong enough in terms of the family, it doesn't matter what you call it, but you still have to call it brown. So well done. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's been good for us. There's actually a very quirky um, <laughs> quirky video on your website. And it's uh, it basically is is it's the amalgamation of what brown means, and it's and the reason it's called it quirky. Everyone's got to check it out. Dean, I guess you have seen this, right? Where yeah. and I'm assuming it's one of the girls. It's one of the brown girls, and she's drinking on the on the balcony, and there's like, and that's brown, and it sounds like <laughs> like an American sort of accent. And then there's like a brown snake that goes across, and then there's a there's, it's, it is really really funny. I and I thought that. that's quite nice because it shows that the family don't take themselves too seriously, considering what they've got is such a, a serious stake in the industry. Yeah, that's true. That that whole campaign was very much around all things related to brown to really reinforce the, the name but yeah the company and the and the family itself never takes itself too seriously very humble we're in, you know, it's a great industry to be in it's a social it's a fun industry and we should never take ourselves too seriously and the family enforce that through the business yeah what so are the what, just, oh sorry you go, Jill. You go. Uh, one of the first things I did, actually, Dean, when I joined Dan Murphy's all those years ago, was come to one of the Patricia release dinners, and Catherine was hosting it, and it was, it was cool, Jill, because what they would do is they'd show the, you know, the spark, the Patricia sparkling against another Australian sparkling in a champagne blind, and then they'd do the same thing with ah. the Chardonnay, and then the Shiraz, the Cabernet, and then the um, Botrytis Riesling, and you had to kind of pick. And which ones were which, and it was just fascinating. I like, I like the notion that you're not scared of chucking your wines up against other wines. I think that's the most important thing. Is is we we've always been fiercely proud of our quality, and and that concept was really born out of the fact that we could say, well, you, you know, because we worked with Dan Murphy and say, well, what wines do you think will actually you would like to put it up against? Yeah. Um, so we we didn't control that. We we very much we got great confidence in our Patricia range and. Wherever you put it, people might prefer the other wines or the champagne or whatever. But I think in 
you know, 99 times out of 100 in that forum, people realise that, oh, these wines stack up in this class, absolutely. My preference mm. might be slightly different, that's okay, but we were never um, found wanting in those classes, and I think it's the only way to do it, to be open and honest with you. With yeah. Your I was, what I was most impressed with was the bubbles and the botrytis and um, the, the Chardonnay was really excellent. I mean, it showed so much poise and kind of precision. That's really surprised me, and um, you know, I've been selling, selling those wines very confidently ever since. That's what we like to hear. Chardonnay for us is the the sourcing from Tasmania has really just lifted our our Chardonnay capability um, dramatically. Tasmania is such a rich source for for Chardonnay and for Pinot Noir and sparkling Mm -hmm. for that matter that it's just enabled us to really take a next step. So you you own a large a large share of the Prosecco market in Australia. Uh, What what sort of percentages are we talking? We're, we're around the 20% mark of the Prosecco category. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how many, uh, just jumping on your website, you've got, you know, six to eight different types of, of course, you've gone into the low and the almost no alcohol style, but um, that's, a, that's, that's a lot of different types of Prosecco to have. Yes, yes, it is. We've, we've um, I bet Prosecco is such a versatile variety. It does give you the, mm. the scope to be able to, to try different things. You know, Prosecco Rosé for us is... Uh, been really a really positive addition it's um just yeah, just a, that hint of strawberry with the prosecco variety works really well we've also gone different formats so we're in small format for prosecco we're in cans in prosecco which have which have worked well in fact we actually do some uh under the innocent bystander brand we we do some 20 litre um pouring prosecco as well so we've got a lot of different packaging innovation with prosecco and also mm. as you said we're into that the low and, and no alcohol space now well, I reckon it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, can, the cans are excellent too because mm. well, what we've been sort of talking a little bit about today, Dean, is the fact that, you know, we're kind of – our consumers of wine are getting older and the young ones coming through are starting to drink things like seltzer or going into gin yeah. and whatever. So to have wine in cans and have things like that, you know, it's very clever because we need to get those those guys into the wine industry. Otherwise, we're never going to get them. Have you ever – have you thought – I mean – Quite a traditional brand in a lot of ways, but innovative in terms of your packaging and that sort of stuff. Have you guys thought about playing in a more of a natty kind of space, in a micro space, anything like that? Uh, well, we're thinking about a, a lot of things. That that um, <laughs> challenge you just put up, we find as as one of our one of our biggest challenges. We'd really like to be at the forefront of, and that's bringing consumers into wine yep. from other categories and potentially even from non-alcohol. So we. If you go back historically, we've always played a pretty important role in that as Brown Brothers with Moscato and Siena type wines, which have really become the entry point into wine if you've been consuming yeah. um, mm. other beverages. Mm-hmm. And uh, and for us, yeah, that clearly has um, over recent times, people's entry into wine, they seem to, seem to be getting later into wine um, and that younger consumers not coming in as... as uh, as early as they used to. So for us, we're really looking at different ways and means we can attract people at that into that area. And pack, packaging plays a big part. Um, mm. Small batch options, lots of different. There's lots of different options we're actually working with at the minute to try and come up with some of those initiatives that will will help bring people in back into the wine category. So uh, last week we had Mitchell Taylor from Taylor's Wines on, and you, you know that they've just recently launched uh, with Coles and Packamama the flat bottles. So yeah. essentially, it's uh, yeah. So um, it's uh, and it's it's very interesting sort of technology that they're doing, and it's both financially and eco friendly. Um, so I guess that sort of thing is is the way that you 
is a path that you might go down or are you, are you already exploring the uh, the plastic sort of bottle style or is the cans more your gig? Uh, we explore, we're exploring both. Uh, we're exploring, mm. we know that glass, particularly from a carbon footprint perspective, if you're sending glass and heavy glass to markets across the other side of the world, you've got a, you've mm. got a bit of a challenge. So for us, we're looking at, at different um, vehicles that we might have to be able to package wine into the future without impacting quality and unfortunately we see a, quite a bit of the challenges around is around maintaining the quality that glass yeah. gives yeah and oh, yeah, uh, sure. so yeah. if we, what we're trying to find the solution that might help us uh, help us be able to, to handle that challenge but we're still as i said we're in that research stage we haven't really got a solution at, at this point in time other than things like cans um, or mm. using much much lighter weight glass yeah maintaining well, quality is one thing but it's also i think consumers still they want Sometimes they want this feel of this big, heavy, but I hate the big, heavy bottles and all that sort of stuff. But in other markets around the world, we know that the government's telling them, no, 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 we want lighter glass, lighter cardboard for transport, all that stuff. So just changing the, the consumer perception, I think, in my generation is going to be hard. But in, in that generation, you know, the millennials, they don't, they don't care. They love that stuff. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And if you get markets like Scandinavia, which is huge yeah. on, on bag and box, and, and yeah. it's, it's quite a, sure quite a quite a premium category over there and yeah. you, you apply to send any wine to to the Scandinavian markets there's a list of about 20 um, clauses that you've got to cover off which are all around sustainability before they can start talking about the quality of your wine yeah. so I think it is it's definitely spreading through the rest of the world and, and it, it will come uh, more prevalent here too probably yeah, the funniest sure. thing in my three years living in Sweden Dean the funniest thing I ever saw at Systembolaget was a, a claret a, a two litre premium Bordeaux box that came in a wooden box like like a case of wine. I just thought oh, that really? that is next level goon. I tell you, <laughs> <laughs> they do it differently over there. Funny, I was actually reading an article the other day, Richo, about yeah. Sweden and the uh, wine drinking is actually going down a bit in Sweden. Oh yeah, they, the, the government don't want you to drink there, so no, all, all the bottle shops shut at seven. Mine shut at six. There's no cold alcohol. You can't buy a slab of beer. There's no discount. And they don't open on a Sunday. Never open all. on a Sunday. Shut mm. at three on a Saturday. Crazy. And God help you if it's a, if it's a, like a, a, a Friday <laughs> and it's a public holiday because you 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 can't buy alcohol. It's it's incredible. Yeah, that's it. Um, I've just got a, a last one for you, Dean. We don't speak about Moscato much on this show. Um, and obviously it, it is an area that you do very well in. I love a good Moscato. I actually yeah, love mixing Moscato with gin and fresh lime. <laughs> it is very delicious as like a, a hot summer's day cocktail style. But um, can you tell us a little bit about your Moscato and about the market at the moment? Yeah, Moscato is, is, is a wonderful grape variety. It, it, um, it really does um, work in a variety of different ways, not only as a standalone drink, but as you say, there's a lot of different ways you can mix Moscato and come up with some really, you know, great cocktail or wine cocktail type yep. products. In fact, at Innocent Bystander, we do like a, a Moscato Granita, which is like a, um, a, a effectively a frozen slushy Moscato. So it's uh, it's really mm. is an adaptable grape variety. Uh, we've had wonderful success with it over many, many years. And it's just, um, yeah. it works really well in terms of, particularly for consumers who aren't necessarily wine consumers or they like a a, um, a sweeter profile Moscato has been fantastic uh, variety for that and, and as I say as an entry level into into wine so um, yep, you know totally. Italians make it a certain while but we 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 make it a way that we think we've been making it for 20 odd years now and it's been a wonderful success for us and you know, driven by consumers loving it and it's quite fascinating at cellar doors for people who don't 
um, don't necessarily think they like sweet wine. They'll often we'll often talk to them about what wine styles they like, and and they'll say, "Oh, yeah, we're dry wine. We're dry wine drinkers." And you put Moscato in front of them and say, "Yeah, that's what I like." And it's like so it's fascinating to see that just the taste profile is is just so um, so alluring. It, it is true. Um, I, I swear whenever I've been to cellar door and people do say, I, I do not touch anything sweet. I'm, I'm the first one to say, just give the Moscato a try. You, know, you can spit it out if you don't like it, but give it a try because I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. It almost acts as quite a nice little palate cleanser, um, especially if you're doing a tasting. I do find after you've done lots of whites, you've got reds, et cetera, it gives that nice, it's refreshing, right? So it, it, gives, it gives that little upbeat. And I think it's a perfect thing to end on, you know, we can start on or end on in, in any form in any type of wine tasting so yeah talk about versatile exactly and and if you think of this this trend in, in moderation and and better for you i mean moscato has mm. always been the, the lower alcohol um yep. offering compared to the compared to broader white wines or red wines for that matter so it's you know it's it really is well placed for i think the future of, uh, of wine consumption yeah I, yeah I think a lot of people just drink it but they don't want to be caught drinking it and i don't i just own i love i love drinking all wines and and i guess the other thing is sort of there's levels of sweetness so as you said before dean you get them in with the moscato and then they might do the dolcetto syrah and then they sort of go to to less sweet less sweet wines as they go along the palate but you've got to get them in the first place don't you that's right and that's where we with moscato we've been able to blend with you know, we've got Moscato Pinot Grigio, we've got Moscato yeah. Sauvignon Blanc, and they just, they're much drier offerings, and they just help people work their way down, I suppose, from the, the big Moscato. As standalone is a bit too sweet for for individuals. Those other blended dries just enable that, still that lovely taste profile and refreshment cube with a slightly drier taste. Yeah, and that's clever because, yeah, and that we use those wines at Dan Murphy's all the time to sort of shepherd them from Moscato to that. The, with a, with a dash of or whatever it is, and then sort of move on to the next level. So I think that's a that's a smart strategy. Look, Dean, we're actually uh, we are just coming up to uh, to the end of our show, but thank you very much for coming on. I um, as I said, I was very I'm very interested uh, in in your previous career because I've been following you for a while, and um, and just to see what you guys are, are doing in this space, and um, yeah, it's it's very fascinating. So good luck with all the different exports. Good luck with the uh, the Vietnam uh, market because that's a very interesting one, and. Um, yeah, thank you so much. We're going to let you move on to your lovely Sunday. No problem. Thanks very much for your time this morning. Enjoy the rest of your day.